is a Woodside Church podcast. Thank you, Felix. Good morning. Good morning, Church. What a wonderful morning you had, you know. Perhaps you could just, well, it's, it's a continuation, isn't it? You know, God, you know, is here and he has been speaking to us throughout this morning. And uh, yesterday was an interesting day. Yesterday was my birthday. <laughs> so, thank you. <clears throat> and um, I was 58 years old. And um, so, I mean, I'm not one for celebration. I don't like celebrations. I like celebrating every day. That's what I tell my wife. Celebrate every day, okay? Every single day of your life. No special days. Every day is special because every day is ordained by the Lord. That's just me, okay? I mean, you can have your views on it. <laughs> so yesterday we were invited for another birthday party. Somebody else was having a birthday. So we went along. So I had a party, you know? And I was asked to cut a cake, you know? They, give, they bought a cake for myself. So I cut the cake as well. And then we thought we will relax, you know? We, you know, we spent some time in the bath and then we were getting ready to watch a movie. And then I get Hudson's call saying, you know, Tim is not, you know, able to be here this morning. And I said, okay, you know, and, um, um, you know, yesterday when my son came back from work, he asked me, you know, what have you learned from God, you know, this year? And I thought, oh, this is good. You know, he caught me by surprise. And I said, um, um, I have understood the importance of being you know, close to God every second of my life. And that's what I, you know, the overwhelming thing that has, you know, been with me throughout this year. And uh, then I said, the second thing is, yesterday when I was at the birthday party, Rebecca, whose son, you know, whose birthday we were celebrating, asked me to share something to encourage everyone, to be a blessing for everyone. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, so I shared, you know, because I'm not for shrinking back ever, you know. When somebody asked me to share the word of God, I will be there. And then yesterday, this happened. So I told my son, you know, one thing that God is probably telling me is to be ready in season and out of season, okay? So maybe this is a new phase. The 59th year is going to be different, okay? So here, here it goes, okay? So let's keep praying for Tim, okay? I mean, Tim and Catherine have been faithfully serving us, the church, for such a long, long time. And it's only right that we support them during this time of difficulty, you know, and uh, his pray for his sisters, their wider family, their children, and let's keep praying for them. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and uh, it's from verses 1 to 23. And I've given a title to this, Obedience is Honoring. Now, sorry, I had to tell you, I mean, Tim, you know, provided me with his notes. Unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to preach from someone else's notes. You know, you, I can only speak what God has laid on my heart. So that's why we don't have any PowerPoint today. But Ron is, will keep pace with me and maybe he will put up the scriptures as they come along. And so thank you, Ron, for, you know, doing that. And, uh, but I have taken some of the things from Tim's preach as well, you know, which always is pretty good, you know, so I have, you know, put that in as well. So we, last week, we, um, you know, Ron spoke to us from 1 Samuel where Saul was anointed as king of Israel. And then 
several chapters, you know, go through, and then we are now at, you know, in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And so we find that Samuel has been winning a lot of battles, and God has been with him, and uh, he's winning in many battles. And, but we see that he makes strange decisions, okay? And this is where we are now, 1 Samuel 15. Now, God has a mission for Saul, and God tells Samuel, go and tell Saul, ask him to go and destroy the Amalekites, okay? Now, blot out the name of Amalekites, destroy everything that they have, destroy everything, including cattle, sheep, people, everything. And now to put this into perspective, you know, when we read Exodus chapter 17, we find that uh, when Israelites had crossed the Red Sea and they were in the wilderness, uh, the Amalekites came and attacked Israel, okay? And I don't know, you, you remember this story because somebody had preached it. I think it was Mohan who preached it here. They, uh, you know, Moses commands Joshua to go and fight against the Amalekites, and Moses climbs a hill and he prays for Joshua and the Israelites. And um, when his hands are held up, the Israelites were winning. When he becomes tired and the hands come down, the Amalekites were winning. And then Aaron and Hur, who were with uh, Moses at that time, brought a big stone, put it behind Moses. Moses stand, stood on, sat on it. And Aaron and Hur were holding Moses' arms so that they wouldn't fall down. And that is how the Israelites won their battle against the Amalekites. And God at that time told Moses, write this down, that I'm going to blot out the name of Amalek from this world. Now, sometimes, you know, uh, when we read things like this, people ask, God is a harsh God, okay? But you have to understand, you know, so many years have passed since God made this, you know, decision, and he didn't do anything. But now he's telling Saul, do this, destroy the Amalekites. Now, why is that case? To understand this, we need to go to the book of Genesis, you know, where when God makes a covenant with Abraham, he tells that your children are going to go into Egypt, and after four generations, I'm going to bring them back to the land of Canaan, and at that time, you're going to destroy the Canaanites because the sin of the Canaanites has to reach its full measure, all right? So when God does something, he does it for a reason, okay? So he doesn't, you know, just blot the name of people just, you know, just as a game or something like that. He does it for a purpose because the Amalekites have been given sufficient time to repent and turn to God, but they didn't. You know, the sin has reached the full measure and God has decided now is the time to blot out the name of Amalek from this world. And what happens? Saul goes with his army and um, we find that he tells the Canaanites who were with the Amalekites, Canaanites are descendants of Jethro, and um, you know Jethro was Moses' father-in-law and they helped Moses and the Israelites 
um, when uh, Moses was tired with the burden of work, it was Jethro who suggested to Moses, you know, take some young, take some leaders from the from your people, and give them some responsibilities. You don't have to do everything. Share out your responsibilities. And so Jethro and the Canaanites were kind to Moses. So Saul tells Canaanites, "You move away from here because we don't want to destroy you because you've been kind to us." So God was kind to the Canaanites there. And then, you know, we find that Saul does his battle. He destroys everything, uh, but he doesn't obey God fully. He captures the king, King Agag, and brings, them as a, brings him as a captive. He destroyed, destroys everything that is weak, okay, and not so good, but the sheep and the cattle and everything that is good, they take it with them. But God's command was, destroy everything. Destroy everything. Don't take anything from the Amalekites. So we find that you know, Saul didn't do that. And then Saul came and um, um, you know, back to, to his town. And Samuel, someone told Samuel, look, Saul has made a monument for himself in his honor. You know? So he was trying to promote his name here. And Samuel was not very happy at all. And Samuel came and said, you know, what you have done, you have disobeyed, you know, God. And, um, and God is going to um, uh, remove you from this position that he has given you. And uh, then we see in the story that, you know, as Samuel, Samuel is retreat, retreating, going away from Saul, Saul, uh, Saul gets hold of the hem of Samuel's robe so that it tears, you know, and uh, Samuel then tells Saul, this is how the kingdom, your position is going to be taken away from you. And that is the story. And then, you know, the, these verses are so important, and, um, you know, I want to read it out. Samuel replied, this is verse 22, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. All right? And so that is a story of 1 Samuel chapter 15. And um, so God knows everything, including our hearts and motives. And in verses 13 and 15, we find that Saul is trying to cover up, okay? So he does not obey God, but he's trying to, he disobeys God, and now he's trying to cover up to justify his actions. And he tries to look better than he really was. He pretends he's doing great with God. Although Saul looked good on the outside, he was tall and handsome and was chosen by God, Okay, and in response to the demands of the people, Saul was found to be disobedient to his king, that is God himself. He was found to have a divided heart. His heart was dominated by self-interest. So what was Saul's problem? What was his sin? His sin was selective obedience. He did some of what God told him to do and not all of what God had told him to do. While wanting to appear wholehearted for God, he only did what suited him. He had a divided heart. Now church, 
It's very, very important when we read stories like this in our personal time, or when we hear stories like this from here, from, the, from up front, it's very, very important that we look into our lives, okay? Allow the Holy Spirit of God to examine our lives. We should be like, like David, you know, who in Psalms 139 prays this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you read portions of the Bible like this and hear preachers like this and go away without examining our lives, without allowing the light of God to penetrate into our hearts and minds and see what is our condition, then it's all going to be a big waste, all right? So I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will be speaking to you this morning and you will allow God to examine your heart and see where you are, okay? So we also find that Saul's attitude was, what's in it for me, okay? That was his attitude, okay? So God had told him to do X, Y, Z. So he was thinking, what is the advantage for me? What am I, go what am I going to gain from it? So when God tells us, love one another, be, show hospitality, be generous, forgive one another, do we ever think, what is in it for me? Okay, do we ever think? Okay, ask yourself those things. Now, we'll go straight into application, okay? We know that, let's look at our life. So we looked at Saul's life, God had given him a mission. God had told him to do something, but he was found to be wanting. Now, what about us? What has God commanded us to do? What is the mission that he has given us? That is what we have to look, okay? So the first thing that he has told us is to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And to trust only in him and what he has done for us, for our salvation. So refreshing to hear Joshua this morning to say, when God sees me, he doesn't see my imperfections. He sees in me the perfection of Christ. Hallelujah. That's it, church. It's not about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about your sin. It's not about your infirmities or your weaknesses, it's all about him, okay? Even though Jesus explicitly says that we will be saved if you believe in him, for there is no other way, sometimes we think faith is not enough, okay? We want to bring in some works of our own. We could think, I attend church regularly, I read the Bible, I give to the church, so I must be okay. You know, we do these things and we feel, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm in a good place, okay? If we have this mentality, then we are dishonoring God. We are dishonoring God. We haven't understood the significance of his sacrifice on the cross. Because if there was any other way for Jesus not to taste sin for us. You see, we need to understand, God hates sin like anything else, but the word of God says that 
He became sin for us in order that we might have the righteousness of God. A great price has been paid for you and me, and we should never water down the significance of this by adding some of our own, okay? We should always say, just like Joshua said, it's all because of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's so refreshing, so refreshing. Our young people are brilliant. They stir us up, okay? Thank you. And that's just set the scene for today's worship, I think. And so just like the Amalekites church, everyone is on borrowed time, okay? If our sins are not atoned for before our time on earth is up, then we are also going to be lost forever. Ephesians verses, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Hallelujah. So if there's anyone here who has not put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the door to heaven is still open. The door to God is still open. It's not your goodness. It's not your works. It is what he has done for you and for me on the cross of Calvary. Put your trust in him while you can so that you will be saved forever. And if you've not put your trust in the Lord, if you're thinking along these lines, you want to speak with somebody, please speak with a friend. Or there'll be somebody here in the front, you know, and you can come and have a chat with them. And they'll help you in your spiritual journey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Hallelujah. So what does it mean, love the Lord with all your heart? Love with all your mind and love the Lord with all your strength. To love someone, you need to know that person. Yeah? Yeah? Not rocket science, yeah? So what we do, when we have a personal time, our prayer should be, God, I want to know you more. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. Reveal yourself to me. When we read the word, we are people of the word and people of the spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We have the word read the word ask god to reveal himself to you you know it was so refreshing when people like um, divya and zach talked about their personal times and krishna as well talked about their personal times you know that the time that they spend with god how these guys do it you know so likewise all of us need to have our time with god so that we can get to know him better and we can put our trust in him and develop a personal relationship with him. Honoring a God is not by doing things to be in the good books of others, like Saul did, okay? When we talk about honoring God, we know his word, we know him, we know his word, and we are obedient to his word. Look at Jesus. You know, Philippians chapter four, I think it says, Jesus was obedient even obedient unto death. Hallelujah. So our leader, our savior, has set an example for us to follow. So be open to God's word and be ready to obey. Second thing, so the first thing is, love the Lord with all your heart. What is the second command? He said, go out into all the world and share the good news. Okay, be my witnesses, he said. 
So share the good news with others. That is why he came into this world. Why did he come into this world? He came to rescue mankind. Instead, sometimes we focus on material things, building, staff, social media, websites. We think if we have a brand, um, a, a, a good building, you know, or a good website, all singing, all dancing, social media or website and things like that, people will be attracted. No, God didn't say that. He said, tell your story, share your story with others. Tell others about how good God is, you know, about his love, about how you have responded to his love. I'm not saying all these things are wrong, okay? So don't get me wrong, okay? They have a purpose, they have a value, okay? But the overarching thing, 95 to 98% of our effort should be on telling others the gospel, the good news, the love of God, okay? And not on, you know, other things. This is our mission, and we need to clearly understand this. Do you understand this? Yeah? Do you share your stories with others? Yeah? Very good. Keep, keep doing that, okay? Third thing is we need to lead a spirit-led life, okay? You see, my friends, you know, we all appear good, okay? Nice clothes, okay? Designer clothes, you know, nice makeup and everything and all of those things. But we have to understand we live in broken bodies, sin-riddled bodies, okay? It is impossible for us to live the Christian life with our own strength and with our own resources. Only God knows we are not capable of this, and that is why he comes into us as the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of God coming to live within us 24-7, and this is our greatest blessing. Yesterday I was sharing, you know, I just shared for a few minutes, that's all, and I said, remember this every single day of your life. This is our blessing, nothing else. We are the most blessed people in the whole world because the King of Kings, God Eternal, has come to live within us 24-7. He walks with us. The resources of heaven, the power of heaven that split the Red Sea that we heard about today is available with us 24-7. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes people come and tell me, you know, oh, have you seen, heard what is happening there? Oh, I've seen this. I can give you videos. I've been blessed. I said, I don't want to see it. They said, why? Because, I said, because the king is with me 24-7. Why should I see what is happening there? You know, the king is with me. Sometimes people think if I go there, I'll get a blessing. They forget the fact that I am blessed because the king is with me. Do you understand, church? Never forget that. Sometimes we think, I'm nothing. No, you are a son. You are a daughter of the king. You are a blessed person. Hallelujah. Don't forget this. Don't ever, ever forget this, okay? In Galatians 5, chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, Apostle Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. And then he goes on to say, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. When we live in close relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, he will alert us either directly or indirectly through people, through our friends or, you know, whatever, of anything wrong in our life. And this is called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is not to condemn us. When someone, a friend, comes and tells us there is something wrong in our life, it is not to condemn us, but it is to gently guide us in the right direction. Church, we don't fight the battles alone. We do it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who have given our lives to Jesus. If we forget this, we will be like Saul, okay? We think, I have done something. No, it's by the power of God that we do this. And we should be grateful for friends like Samuel. We should be grateful for our friends who come alongside us and tell us, you know, there is something wrong in our life, okay? Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is called the helper or parakletos, means someone who comes alongside us, someone who is by our side 24-7, okay? So we better pay heed to the Holy Spirit of God. So be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and be ready to obey. And the final point is, don't take glory for ourselves. Saul set up a monument in his honor. What was he thinking? Who had been helping him to win the battles so far? It was God. Why did he forget this fact? Because he did not have an ongoing relationship with God. That's a problem. A few victories and he started seeing himself as the most important one. We can get sucked in by the busyness of life that we ignore our personal time with God and forget to have a relationship with him. We are then living on fumes, as they say. Living on fumes. See, Christian leadership is servant leadership. Jesus, after watching his disciples' feet, we find in John chapter 13, he said, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one sent him. You see, church, who is a greater servant? Jesus is the greatest servant. Why? Despite him being God, he came into this world to serve you and me, okay? He came to die for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. The Holy Spirit of God has come to be with us, to help us, hallelujah. Who is the greatest servant? God is the greatest servant. He did not come to lord it over us, but to walk with us, to spend time with us, to help us, to refresh us, to comfort us. So our aim should be to promote the name of King Jesus and to make him famous and not to make me famous or you famous, you famous. We should not say, look to me. We should say, look to Jesus. Because I can't save you. No one in this world can save you. It's only him who can save you. I remember when we were doing this outreach 
meeting, you know, we had lots of, uh, mainly people from the nursing background, and I am um, a consultant physician. So there is a class divide, okay? And there is also, you know, particularly people coming from the East and maybe from Africa or whatever, you know, from India. We tend to put people on a pedestal. Leaders are, are big people. And to cut across this, to break this, you know, mentality, you know, Sunu would always cook, okay? So we'd always be cooking. I'd be teaching, Uncle Charles would be teaching. And after the food, I would deliberately take the broom, you know, and sweep the floor, you know, all the crumbs that had fallen on the floor and everything. Initially, people would say, no, 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 no. But I said, no, I have to do it. And I did this purposely to break this mentality that leaders are not to be put on a pedestal. Hallelujah. And church, we need to do that. We need to look at Jesus all the time. We need to look that he is a helper. He came to serve. We need to look at the Holy Spirit. He has come to help. And we should do likewise. So the four points that I've said are, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and trust only in him and what he has done for us for our salvation. That's number one. Number two is share the good news with others. Share your stories with others. Never say, I don't know the word of God. Do you know your king? If you know your king, if you know his love, share your story. That's it. That's not theology. Nobody has asked you to teach theology, okay? Number three, lead a spirit-led life. Number four, don't take glory for yourself or for myself. So in concluding, church, I will say this, and this is Tim's lines, I love this, okay? Be open to God's word and be ready to obey. Be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and be ready to obey. Be open to the encouragement and correction from others and be ready to change. Always give glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.